1: You are listening to a renowned safety expert, Dr. J Allen, on Safety FM. This episode of the broadcast and the podcast is brought to you by Safety Focus Moment. They're consultants that want to help you get the safety culture you've been looking for. For more information, go to safetyfocusmoment.com.
0: Well, hello and welcome to Safety FM. This is Jay Allen, your safety manager and host. Should I say hello and welcome to 2019? Or how many times do you say that before it kind of gets old and redundant? Anyways, welcome to the show today. How's been your new year so far? Are you keeping up with your new year's resolution? Are you doing all the things that you promised to yourself that you said you were going to do? I hope so. Anyways, hopefully everything is going fine and well on your side of the planet, wherever that might be. Today, we have the privilege of speaking to Ron Gant. Ron Gant is the Director of Innovation and Operations at Reflect Consulting Group. He also has a little website that you might have heard of known as Safety Differently. And I am entirely joking as I say, a little website. If you've been involved with human organizational performance for quite a while, you kind of know that that is the standard, the gold standard of where a lot of the information comes from in regards of human and organizational performance. Anyways, enough of me chatting and let's get this started. Let's enjoy the interview today with Ron Gant here on Safety FM.
1: You are listening to a renowned safety expert, Dr. Jay Allen, on Safety FM. Changing safety cultures one broadcast and one podcast at a time. Join the fun on social media and find us on Facebook at Safety FM.
0: So, Ron, I have to, I, I have, to, I have to ask you how did the how did the journey start? How did you decide to all of a sudden take the safety journey?
2: Okay, so um, in effect, I was raised into safety Uh, and and by that I mean, um, so my dad was actually a firefighter uh, for the first, I don't know, good part of my life and um, became a fire chief. Um, My mom worked uh, kind of for, you know, both fire departments and police departments as like a community service officer, which that's the most important part because that she had to do like community events and things like that. And she needed someone to dress like Smokey the bear or Sparky the fire dog. And that would be me. Um, and so I got to go to community events and do stupid things like that. Um, so every time people like kick Smokey the bear in the shin or something like that, um, that was me. Uh, thank you for that. Oh, uh, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but no, so I, I kind of grew up in that sort of public safety space um, but when I was a, a, in middle school my dad retired as a fire chief and started a company, a uh, consulting company where he did safety training, primarily compliance-based training um, and it, he started it in the room next to my bedroom and I so I heard him do a lot of the work and whatnot and it sounded extremely boring. Um, and I I swore I'd never join the company. Um, And then in 2001, I uh, was in a bit of a desperate situation because I was uh, trying to be a musician and I came off of a tour uh, flat broke and I needed a job. And so I asked my dad for a a temporary job while I got on my feet and uh, here I am 17 years later. Uh, So that's the long story of uh, how I got into safety. I kind of fell in love with it along the way um, not all of it but uh, aspects of it and so I I'm the things I'm doing now I love
0: so that's interesting because essentially it sounds like it sounds like a love-hate relationship you started out by essentially not really wanting to be involved with it but kind of forced to some extent at least that's how it comes across and then all of a sudden now you've fallen in love with it so so now you so now we're 17 years into the journey and I'm sure at this point, you've seen so many different things. I mean, I, I can see that you're really um, digging deep into some of the background and some of the research we were able to do on you um, in regards to just really being involved with safety and even looking at it from the psychology point of view. So what made you fall in love with this?
2: So, um, I uh, So, I mean, I, I think really the first part of my career in safety when I was directly working for safety um you know, working on my dad's company, I was doing mainly compliance things. And that's where, you know, some of the hatred and the boringness came about. But at some point I got involved in some projects where, you know, we had clients asking us to move beyond compliance. And, um, and I got, I was able to be involved in those projects in a helping role. And it got me interested in thinking about, you know, hey, there's, uh, you know, there's more to this story. Um, At the same time I I also realized that, you know, probably getting a degree or so would be useful Um, and so I, uh, um, in addition to kind of completing a degree in safety, I also got a degree in psychology because that was somewhat interesting um, uh, in my undergrad and and so in the process of, of kind of looking at safety beyond compliance while also learning about psychology, I was able to make connections um that made it far more interesting starting to see that you know wow the safety is not a technical profession it's a human profession um and it's, it's fundamentally about how people relate to work how people relate to the thing they're trying to do and how they relate to each other and once i realized that like a whole new world opened up for me um and i, I just find it continually fascinating
0: and how long do you figure it took you to get to that particular point? So you all of a sudden getting involved and then you notice this is a more of a human to human point of view in regards of doing this. So at what point during your career do you go, boom, this is it?
2: Uh, I was about uh, 10 years in it. So it took me quite a while to. Um, Ten years in is when I uh, finished my psychology degree and I was like, man, this is so interesting. And so I started diving in more and more and more um, into that side of it, reading pretty much anything I can get my hands on. Um, and then I went and got my uh, my master degree and, and ran into a few more authors like Todd, who you've had on the podcast. Um, yeah, and uh, that sort of expanded that horizon. So it, was, it took a while for me to get there. But, you know, once I got there, it, it took
0: well, I'll have to say, I kind of see you a little bit of everywhere. I've seen you on the ASSP website. Of course, that was, a few, that was a few weeks ago. I've seen you on safetydifferently.com. So when do you, so you all of a sudden have this change and you go, this is what I want to go with. So how all of a sudden do you start getting into these groups of really talking to these large audience in regards of human human organizational performance?
2: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It makes it sound like I'm like, where's Waldo? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you didn't mean it that way at all. Where, where's Rondo? Um, but uh,
0: <laughs> I I might li- I, we might end up listing the the episode that way. Now that you put it that way, where's Rondo? <laughs> yeah, I love it.
2: Um, but uh, no, no. So I my my father. Um, he was speaking at a number of conferences pretty regularly, um, like primarily like the ASSP, you know, it used to be ASSC conferences uh, well before I was interested in it. And um, and so kind of getting me started in that process as I was um, finishing my psychology degree, I started looking into like disaster psychology, how people respond in emergencies. And that was interesting, of course, because of my father's background. And so I was able to bounce ideas off of him and we kind of co uh, we collaborated on uh, both uh, a presentation and a paper, and that sort of got me into that speaking role, and I was like, wow, speaking is kind of fun. Um, and uh, so I started speaking a lot more on different topics, and as I was kind of learning things, I would develop ideas and, and start speaking uh, to different audiences, both local and, and you know, some sort of the national conferences. Um, but uh, I think probably the the big things that really helped me, I don't know. Get out there. As I, I also, when I was finishing my graduate, uh, my master's degree, I, I just basically decided I wanted to start a blog just so that I could share my thinking. And and my my goal in doing that wasn't as much to teach as really to learn, um, because I, I've I've sort of learned along the way that one of the things that really helps me get good at a concept is really. Putting it out there and letting people throw rocks at it, um, and along you know when you do that, people will you, you know they they don't pull punches, especially on the internet, and and it really helped me sort of clarify my thinking in a number of areas. So I, I started a blog through my company, um, which that ultimately led me to the Safety Differently site, meaning Daniel Hummerdahl, um, who started that site, um, and so I mean, I, and through that you just kind of meet people as well, and so. But that, that's sort of, you know, I started speaking and then I started putting the blog out there and then that sort of got, I guess, my name out there. But it wasn't so much me doing it as like, oh, my God, I'm this really smart person and everybody should listen to me. It was more actually me, like, I'm not a smart person and I'm struggling with these ideas and I want to, you know, simultaneously share that, but also have people, you know, teach me because... One of the things that's hard with safety, especially when you get into the, the human performance side of things is, um, it's less so now because it's becoming more mainstream, but um, you know, it's, there's no one in my area, who, it, it, I'm in California, who uh, at that time was, I was able to share these ideas with. So, you know, in order to, to really share ideas and, and learn from other people, you really have to connect with them visually, um, or at least you had to. At that time and so that's that that was that i was kind of a long uh, meandering answer i hope I, I answered your question
0: oh you did answer it so when you say that you were there kind of on your let's say your own island there what time frame are we are we looking at are we talking four or five ten years ago
2: yeah yeah so this is more in the neighborhood of four to six years ago uh, is when i started the the blog for example um and I mean, certainly there was people talking about these things, but it wasn't nearly as as caught on in, in that moment. Like, you know, this was pre-Todd's podcast and, um, you know, pre-your podcast, pre, pretty much every, every safety podcast. There wasn't really many at the time and a few blog posts and whatnot, but uh, there really wasn't much. And there wasn't really anyone in the area that I knew of who was thinking the same way I was.
0: So once you start actually writing your blog, how many people are contacting you going, um, uh, you might be off your rocker. Um, I don't know if these concepts are really going to work. Uh,
2: so what I, what I did then I, so I took the blog, I posted it on like LinkedIn and stuff like that. Um, and, and a lot of people, um, <laughs> you know, typically you'd get the, uh, uh, there was a few people who are just the, the regular, you know, uh, who would they would at some point it seemed like they were seeking me out and you know whenever they find a blog post by Ron they would just try to throw as many rocks as humanly possible at it and I actually really enjoyed that um, because you know it's it's like having your own ready-made devil's advocate um, and you know it wasn't that many people who were like that you know you'd have I don't know probably two or three people who just always really, yeah, I could count on to respond to every single post I ever made. Um, but then there was also, you know, the random people who would come in um, and, you know, just give their opinions and ideas. And, you know, some of them were, you know, uh, I'm trying to say this without know, sounding mean, but, you know, they were just, they weren't really interested in having a discussion. They just wanted to drop, their idea and tell me that I was wrong and then move on. But then there was other people who were actually very, very kind with their time and um, really interested in wrestling with the ideas with me. And that, you know, I think in the the first group, the people who were, I don't know, maybe some people might call them trolls. And then the people who (laughs) were genuinely interested in wrestling with the ideas, those people were probably the most helpful to me, Um, which sounds kind of weird, but
0: no i mean it's really it's really good because the thing is that you're you're right there in a medium that's much different because in a blog you want to see what the responses are going to be in something where i'm kind of sitting at i'm always told don't listen to what the critics say don't pay attention don't read the comments but what you're doing is entirely different because you're putting out a concept a theory and you're saying okay this is what i think what do you agree or disagree with and all of a sudden you're kind of opening the floodgates at the same time so it has to be interesting on the interaction. I would imagine the first time doing it has to be like, okay, what's going to happen? And boom. But I mean, take a look at where you're at now and listen. I mean, look at the blogs that you're putting out. To, I mean, take a look at where you're at. I mean, let's just be realistic. People are coming to listen to you. People are coming to read these blogs. And I'll tell you, the blogs that you have on Safety on safety Differently, I'm always kind of impressed on when they actually pop up in regards to just the information that you have, that you have on there and just some of the concepts that you're coming up with. So. It's it's almost kind of one of those strange questions on how do you come up, how do you come up with some of these ideas? I mean, it's just are you kind of putting it through the lab scenario, or does it just kind of go? This is what I'm thinking, and I'm just going to release it a short bit at a time.
2: Well, yeah. So, um, I mean, I must say that I. You know i'm standing on the shoulders of giants of course and
1: i, I, I think
0: um, i've heard that, heard that a couple times
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know there's some really really smart people who are out there who are wrestling with these ideas i mean some of them decades before any of us heard about them um but uh i think one of the things that i am pretty good at is uh is being able to bring ideas together very quickly um, and so a lot of the, the ideas that, that I share in my posts are really just me reflecting on what I've been reading, what I've been seeing out there, what I see people talking about, and then combining it with my experiences dealing with clients in different industries and whatnot. And, and, you know, and from there saying, okay, here's how I see this working um, in real life and, and here's what I see doesn't work in real life. Um, and so, just kind of being able to bring that together, uh, I think, is, is, is a value. Um, you know, I, I don't want to say that I'm necessarily, uh, you know, one of the trailblazers in this sort of space, but um, I like to think that I'm able to translate some of the ideas into a more practical way of thinking. Um, now, some people have criticized me for the opposite, being a bit too academic, and I understand that for sure. Um, But uh, no, I think um, I I can't I can't say that I'm necessarily, you know, the trailblazing. It's mostly just me taking ideas, building off of them in a way that makes sense to me um, and then finding a way to explain them to other people. Because like I said, in the process of explaining, I find that I, I am able to conceptualize things better for myself as well as help others maybe.
0: I think you're being, I think, I think you're being very humble. I I would say that you are a trailblazer, even if you're taking other people's idea and kind of really just breaking it down for other people. And there are some academics out there that want to have a better understanding of it. And there's some people that want to have, you know, a clear understanding of it. So you do a combination of both. So I think you're really doing a good service for all of us across the board. So as you're looking at this, what do you take a look at and go, this is what I believe is going to be the next step. And I'm not going to sit here and go, is this going to be safety 3.0? Is this the next chapter of safety? What do you see the changes are? I mean, I i have seen so many different papers of behavior-based safety and hop. And all of a sudden, maybe we can do a combination. And I've heard the red pill, the blue pill. Maybe we have a purple pill and all this other kind of stuff. What do you see coming down the, the pike from your point
2: of view? It's the chartreuse pill. Uh, and hear me No, I'm just kidding uh, But uh, <laughs> I was like, hold no. on <laughs> Whoa <laughs> i dropping knowledge bombs All over the place Look out um, But uh, No, I Yeah it, I don't know I'm So I guess there's two things I want to say Relative to that question um, The first is just a general comment That, you know The sort of Tribal Theoretical uh, Debates that sometimes aren't really debates so much as I'm, um, you know, this side's better than that side. Um, I am very uncomfortable with, and I'm actually really struggling with that right now myself as to what is the right way to approach this. There's there's many terms that are thrown around out there, and you named, you know, some of them hop, BBS, um, you know, and then there's other safety too, safety differently, you know, new view, um, you know, which uh, sometimes people use interchangeably, sometimes people use in a very constraining, and I don't necessarily mean constraining in a bad way, but you know, very defined ways, and um, and, and I and I don't know what the right way to approach that is. Uh, on one hand, I tend to be someone who is more uh, like a social constructionist saying, well, you know, let's, let's see what emerges here, uh, and, and let's see how people are defining these terms in practice, um, but on you know, and, and there's often very good and cool things that come out of that. But on the other hand, I'm a little bit concerned that some of the very useful and practical things that are nuanced in each of those terms that we just used are going to get lost. Um, and and so I'm not really sure what I think on that. And that sort of leads actually to the the overall crux of what I believe you're, what I believe is the crux of your question. Um, what's next kind of thing and i think for me what's next the two big pieces that i think are really critical that we need to move towards as a profession um, is number one and this comes from uh, drew ray a professor over at griffith university in australia Uh, we need to to get better at uh, identifying asking for you know and using evidence as a profession Uh, we don't do that at all we're terrible at it um it's to the point where we don't even need it and it's it's shocking to me um and so i think as a profession and regardless of whatever i don't know camp you sit in in terms of the best way to practice safety um we need to know where the evidence is and if we don't know where the evidence is we need to start creating it and i don't mean creating it in the sense that like you know we're fabricating evidence but i mean like what's the evidence that what we're doing is correct, is beneficial, is useful, is meaningful? And I don't know that that's very clear in many cases, and that's sort of shocking to me. So that's one thing. I think as a profession, we can get better at being clear at what is the mechanism by which the intervention that I'm going to use is gonna work, and how would I measure that? And one thing I just want a little asterisk on measure, I don't necessarily mean quantitative, but if we don't know how to measure it, if I don't know what good looks like, then how the heck can I say that I'm not selling snake oil? Um, I think that's something we need to look at and get much better at. Secondly, um, I think we need to really look closely at how we define safety. Uh, And the definition that I think we should be moving towards is a more holistic one, where safety is not just the absence of negatives, but the capacity to be successful in varying conditions um and i and i like that definition that comes from eric holnagel i like that definition a lot um because it aligns us with the organization and situates what we do with the goals of what people are trying to achieve it constrains uh, so it gets us away from the old bureaucratic stuff unless we can show that that stuff actually leads to outcomes um and so i think those two points that i brought up about you know evidence and about the definition of safety work very well together. And I think that's where we need to focus. We need to start generating evidence around what is it that we actually produce in safety, not just how many accidents did we prevent, which is theoretically problematic, but what are we actually producing? What, how are we making the world a better place? Not just by, hey, we didn't kill anybody today. Um, that's not necessarily a good measure and very problematic, but what are we actually doing to make the world better? That's that's the kind of stuff I think is going to be very interesting to start seeing more and more discussions around in the safety space, if that makes sense.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, and you have a very good definition there. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to steal it. Um, I'll, I'll give credit to the person that you referenced one time and then I'm going to steal it as my own. But, you know, everybody will know that I stole it. But I have, but, I, but I have to tell you, as I listen to you say this, it's very interesting, especially the different approach there, because a lot of organizations really think that they're safe because they don't have an issue. But the way that you're looking at it holistically across the board is, I want to say to, to an extent is really an operations approach, which most safety people don't really take. Um, but normally when I sit and speak with safety people, it's kind of like safety versus operations, which is kind of a bad thing when you kind of look at it, because those are the people that you're trying to impress to some extent. So when you start talking about this and being able to move forward, how do you see a structure of an organization doing that? Do you feel that that's kind of like just a culture built in as you move forward with it?
2: Well, yeah, so there's a, I think, so like in implementing this and you doing it in practice, at least the way I've done it, uh, when I have conversations with organizations, So number one, you need to get people to be more curious Um, because you're right. uh, At the end of the day, I don't see safety as a hazard problem per se. It's a work problem. I think we need to change the unit of analysis away from just hazards and risks and do it towards work. Um, because there's a lot of things that are contributing to what we would traditionally call safety and, you know, causes of accidents, things of that nature, that are just normal work processes. Um, and, and and you know, as a psychologist, um, that uh, the way people fail is not the same way that machines fail. Um, and machines, you know, they typically fail because something breaks, but people don't break like that. That's not how cognition works. <laughs> um, and so uh, the way we think about risk and hazard it, you can't think about it like machines you know the people are goal directed they're doing something they're trying to achieve something they're locally rational um, and so we need to 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 start getting people more curious about what's actually happening so with the safety people you start to you know when they point out whatever the problem is whether it's you know oh it's a management system failure or it's an unsafe act or something of that nature i try to get them to to say okay but Yes, yeah, that's a label that we're applying to it. But what's actually happening? If we took the label away, if you couldn't describe it as that, how would you describe it? Um, and then you, when they do that, they start to describe it in terms operationally. Um, and then you say, ah, OK, now let now we can we can once we know what it is operationally, I can operationally go in and change that. I can change the operations a heck of a lot more than I can change people's risk tolerance. Um, and. So that's one way you can get that conversation started with safety people. With management, um, I I find that, you know, the first step is getting them past the idea that safety is just the absence of accidents, at least with the organizations that I've dealt with. Because often I think managers are trained, and I I use that word trained uh, loosely, it doesn't mean they're formally trained. But in my experience, a lot of top managers and whatnot um, see safety as a separate Entity within the organization that is tasked with uh, eliminating accidents and/or maintaining regulatory compliance, um, and so with them you have to start to show them. Well, no, safety is inherently related to how you do work, um, and all if all you want to do with safety, you know, it's a, it, within the organizations they have this entity that touches every aspect of the work that they do, and all they want to do with that entity is have it constrain the work, that seems problematic. That's a missed opportunity. Why not use that entity, the safety department, to actually enable work processes to happen more smoothly? And in effect, you're sort of making it a kind of an upgraded quality uh, department. Um, And so it's really just about changing, getting into the definitions that people use around safety you know, and what safety does, the work of safety, and trying to get them to see it from a different perspective. And, and once you do that, then, you know, the narrative starts changing and people start seeing different possibilities.
0: So when you go into a company or an organization, what do you normally interact with most? Or is it the management or is it the actual safety person or some of the line level people?
2: Well, so first, first getting in is, you know, whoever, Whoever calls, and that's usually related to the problem that they're trying to solve. Um, often it's the safety people, um, but it could also be management who's having a problem. And sometimes, unfortunately, management calls because they don't trust their safety people. Um, but regardless, that's you know, the, it, so the first people you talk to is whoever really is, is made first contact. Um, but when once we get out there and start trying to figure out what's actually happening in the organization. Um, you know, and, and what are the opportunities for improvement for whatever problem we're trying to solve? Inevitably, you end up touching the workforce a lot, you know, speaking with them, interacting with them, observing work. Um, and, and that's partly a reflection of the fact that, um, you know, something that, you know, Todd and Bob and, and, and you know, many others that you've had in your podcast. Uh, speak to is, you know, workers are often subject matter experts for the work they do. It's also just a very pragmatic reflection of the fact that the overwhelming majority of an organization is often the workforce, the people doing the work. Um, and in effect, it starts, you know, going back to the idea of narrative realignment and changing uh, people's perspective on what's happening, it flips the script and shows people that you know if you know 80% of the organization or whatever number we decide to use is actually going in and making the widgets or whatever it is we're trying to achieve um why is not why is it that that part of the organization also has to do a lot of their work in order to satisfy the other 20 percent? shouldn't it go the other direction Um, and so by spending a lot of time with the workforce you start to get people almost in, intuitively aligned to the idea that wait a minute, you know that's where the rubbers meeting the road. we should be spending a lot more of our time and effort focusing in that area. Um, and so it, it, to kind of answer your question directly, a lot of times the workforce. but of course you, you need to have management and safety and you know other entities as well, engineering, procurement, et cetera, at the table because an organization is not a building, it's a grouping of people. And so you need to make sure those people all have a seat at the table and to and say to some degree.
1: And,
0: and I think that sometimes that becomes the difficult portion because everybody kind of feels that they're segmented at one portion. So really trying to grow the organization to understand that, hey, everybody should be involved as one. And don't get me wrong. I don't ever try to sit around and talk to people and say safety's first, because I will tell you the, the moment that an organization stops making revenue. They are not going to tell you that safety's first because the moment that they can't make money, they're not going to continue operating. So I think it's interesting on, on you know on, on what you're talking about in particular because most organizations don't look at it that way. They look at it as hey, you're kind of just compartmentalized, and that's pretty much it. And then we kind of move forward and we'll, we'll take the safety's person's perspective from time to time. But maybe if it's going to probably stop our our operation in regards of let's say for instance like you said making the widget if it's going to stop that well that's not going to help us to make revenue so as you go in and have the conversations do you run into a lot of difficulty on most organizations saying we're not really safety conscious or do you feel that at the moment that they've already called you they're already going that direction
2: uh yeah no so um one of the uh, pluses and minuses of the safety profession today is that we use terms that uh everybody understands but nobody can really define it in a way that everybody will agree so like an example of safety culture uh and uh you know so like and the reason i'm saying this is uh, you'll get a call and they'll say hey we want to build a safety culture and and so intuitively you would say wow this is an organization that's cool with thinking they want to improve things they're very interested in, in making things better but once you get down to actually define what they mean by safety culture, it could become something completely different. You know, it just could be like, well, actually, we want our people to shut up and do their jobs and to follow the procedures. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> uh, it's so it's, wow, that's very different than what most people define safety culture. That's fine. Um, but uh, so it, 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 so it's not necessarily the case that every organization that that tr- calls me or, or my organization is very interested in, caring about safety per se, um, you know, sometimes they're very interested in caring about the metric that they use to measure safety, um, whether that's number of accidents or some variation thereof. Um, so, and and just in the, answering that question, I totally forgot your, uh, uh, the main question.
0: I don't I don't know it's perfect no no it's perfectly fine it was just it's really just having an understanding that if most of the organizations are already kind of safety focused or safety conscious when they actually get when they actually make the phone call towards you and if you're running into you know some of those similar issues or where they're or compartmentalizing better saying some of the you know this different segments of the organization yeah
2: no and, and that's a really really critical question actually <laughs> um because that good job so you like pat yourself on the back <laughs> yeah. I, I'm but doing no, it right now I think now. it's it's it, yeah <laughs> um, so, because safety conscious um is is another term that it that like there's no scale out there to say that that okay I'm this organization is more safety conscious than that organization that we would all agree on um and the reason why I want to point that out is because I can, I've dealt with organizations that care a hell of a lot about safety and you know it's a podcast so I, you, know, you can't see me doing air quotes right now um, but the way they're defining safety is not in alignment with the goals of the organization and so or even in alignment with the, uh, uh, the realities of the work that they have to do Um, And so they're they're coming at safety with this mindset of, well, hey, this one organization that we saw at a conference one time does it this way. And they've had very little injury. So this must be the way to do safety. And they're not realizing that caring a lot about, again, air quote, safety doesn't necessarily mean you're going to come up with a productive safety program that's going to work for your organization. Um, and so sometimes you actually that uh, having a safety conscious company can work against you uh, because people can care so much about safety that they stop caring about the workforce and stop caring about the work that they're trying to do. And that leads to extremely counterproductive behaviors. Um, I got a lot of flack one time on LinkedIn because I, I, I posted this and, and said, you know, sometimes we care so much about safety that we forget that the main goal is people um and and everyone you know I had a lot of people not everyone a lot of people came along and said well how can you care about safety and not care about people and and I wanted to just shake these people and say oh my god I see it all the time there's so many things that are done in the name of safety that are extremely disrespectful and dehumanizing um and and that's wrong and if that's what safety is I don't want to be a part of it um, and yeah, you could say, well, you know, we're saving lives, so who cares if they're humanized? But we have to remember that, you know, safety. If, if our goal is to stop people from dying, we lose that battle 100% of the time. Um, so, if safety is about preventing all injuries and all death and all that, um, I, I think we need to expand our, our horizon and start asking different questions. So. Getting an organization to be safety conscious, to me, is about getting them to understand the operational realities of their organization and what the needs are of their workforce in order to meet those operational realities. Um, We spend most of our lives at work. I think we can do better than just treating our workers like kids in the name of making sure they don't get hurt at the end of the day. I I think we can do better than that.
0: But you have to understand that. I was like a rant. <laughs> I totally ranted. Oh, no, no, you're perfectly fine. You have to understand that a lot of people actually believe that, though. They believe that the whole concept of safety is having, let's just be uh, be realistic, a glamorized babysitter that, oh, my God, this is about to go wrong. Go get the safety person. And they're going to turn around and tell ex employee that they shouldn't do that because they could be hurt. And you're absolutely right. And we tend to do that. And then the other thing that I always love is when people look at something and go, well, we need to make sure that we turn in this amount of audits because it's a safety request. It's like, what, what are you talking about? It's like, okay, so let's, let's use that as a concept. So let's sit inside of this boardroom because that's what happens most of the times and go, tell me something about the room and write it down on a piece of paper. And in return, as, after you write this down, let's take a look at it. Now, what changed inside of the room because you wrote this down? And they look at me like I'm nuts once I bring that up. But that's exactly what some of those audits do. Because most of the times they just go directly into a drawer. And people do absolutely nothing with them. And it's crazy. I just don't get it.
2: Yeah. I love that analogy. I, I, or that exercise. That's, I, I, Yeah. Because I see that all the time. I'll you know, I'll have uh, organizations say, you know, like JSA, job safety analysis. We need everybody to sign... The JSA to show that they've read the J JSA and and I, and I just it just boggles my mind. It's like and you know and then they get in trouble if they don't sign it. Um, so I, let me understand: is putting a signature on something is evidence that someone read something? I, I <laughs> how how is that evidence? Um, I mean I, and and I I tongue in cheek do this. Like, I like I can prove to you that that's not true. Watch this: I'm gonna not read this JSA and I'm gonna sign it. You know, um, it's just, it, it, they do it, you know, of course, they don't really like me when I do that. But, um, but I, you're so right that we, we get this idea that, I you know, we get these rituals of verification is a term that uh, I, sorry, I think it was a sociologist. I can't remember the name who, who used that term. And I, and I think it's so uh, appropriate way of describing it. It's more of a ritual than it is an actual operational uh, enabler something that helps us do what we're trying to do. And so the the idea that I need to always double check, you know, uh, I heard one safety person say it this way, I'm going to protect you from you in spite of you. Um, you know, that idea, uh, it's not only dehumanizing and completely disrespectful, it's also often nonsensical and completely non-pragmatic. Um, often the things that are done in the name of paternalistic safety where, you know, I have to be the babysitter are are completely counterproductive they're a waste of time they add nothing to the safety of work Um, and so you if you show that to organizations i think it gets a lot of aha moments and they start to realize that you know you know what maybe the cost of doing this is not worth it um, of pissing our people off And maybe if we let go of the reins, we might actually get better outcomes. And in many cases, that's very true.
0: Well, I always find it interesting when you start dealing with organizations that have been around for a while and they have that whole concept there where they turn around and they go, hmm, this is what got us to the ballgame. So why should we change it? And it's worked out so well for us to this point. So all of a sudden you're going to come in here and you're going to talk to me about, let's say, quote unquote, a philosophy. And this is supposed to work. And there's not an actual program that I do checkbox one, checkbox two, checkbox three. And it drives a lot of people crazy. The one that I always love the most, too, is when they turn around and go, if we're going to change the safety culture, what's the timeline on that? What's the timeline? It's like, really? Do you have a timeline? It's like, do you have two employees? Maybe we can figure it out real quick, but that's not the case. And those are the questions that I keep on driving me crazy. So just listening to, how you're taking the whole or operational approach, operational approach, excuse me, and actually incorporating it all into one. I think it's such a great approach, and I really am interested in the work that you're going to do going forward with that.
2: Thank you. Yeah. No, I think you're you're spot on, and it's it's so bizarre to me the the way we've uh, oversimplified culture and turned it into this well yeah and and you know the organizations like you mentioned that are doing it forever we must have a good safety culture because we've been doing it for so long but that is it's that's such an ironic way to approach this because that is logically equivalent to the the phrase that every safety professional hates when you go and you tell someone hey you know you shouldn't be doing that and then they say but that's the way we've always done it i've been doing it this way for 25 years and i've never gotten hurt it's logically the same as me saying, well, we've been doing it this way for a long time as an organization and we have good results. Um, you know, that's not an argument. That's you know, You're not presenting evidence in a way that, you know, we would say is very valid, right? So let's examine it. Let's understand what we're doing. Um, and when it comes to culture, uh, you know, the, the simplification that we can turn it into a timeline is is shocking. Um, but I think the operational focus is critical, particularly related to culture. I take more of an anthropological view of culture, where culture is more about how groups self-organize in order to achieve goals in a given environment, right? Uh, you think of like a tribe, for example, you know, how do, how does a, uh, a person uh, enhance their ability to get food in the jungle? Well, you know, if you get more than one person hunting, you probably increase your likelihood of getting food. And after a while, you create rules, informal rules about how to hunt and how to do it and you kind of it becomes routine right that's that's the essence of what culture is and so if culture is about how a group can optimize its behavior to be successful in a given environment then you have to take an operational view because culture is inherently related to how work gets done Um, and and I like that viewpoint because it demystifies it a little bit it's not just about how I feel anymore it's about what I do and if I really want to change the barometer, I focus on how work gets done, uh, or if I want to you know, yeah, adjust the barometer on what culture is, you change how people do work and you, and effect will change the culture, uh, if that's what we want to do, which that is a question that a lot of people ask, but you know that.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Now, let me ask you just a strange question. If people want to know more about your work and they find you and do you have any um, spe- um, speaking engagements coming up or anything to that extent?
2: Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, so, uh, so first off, I you know I'm uh, the owner and contributor at SafetyDifferently.com. I, that, there's not a lot about me on there, but I do hope that people who are all at all interested in what I, I've been talking about and what we've been talking about uh, would go to that website, SafetyDifferently.com, and check it out and get involved. Um, good, lots of good posts on there from a lot of really, really smart people. Um, secondly, you can always find me on social media, LinkedIn, etc. Um, my company, Reflect Consulting, um, is reflect, you know, reflectc com. Um, so that's probably the best place to kind of find out more about me. But uh, in terms of speaking, I think the, the most important thing, if anything, I've said is at all interesting, we are actually having a, a workshop on safety, too, uh, it's Safety 2 in practice is what's going to be called in February in Florida. Um, and uh, you can go to, I think it's safety-ii, you know, like safety2 in roman numerals.com, um, and you get all the information about that workshop. I'm going to be there. Eric hall is going to be there. Um, a number of other uh, people who are trying to apply safety 2 in practice are going to be there. And so the it's, uh, it's, space is limited, so if people are interested, you know, sign up soon but uh that's going to be a really really cool workshop i think um and then outside of that i think uh i'm going to be at asfp in new orleans in june um i don't know other little things here and there uh we try to post it on the website so if you go to that reflect website it should be on there pretty quick here so
0: well ron i do appreciate you coming on to safety fm
2: hey thank you jay you're a superstar
1: any form, or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.
0: safetyfm.com
3: Wow, how things can change from one week to the next.